0: Galley Beggar Podcast. I'm Sam Jordison, co-director of Galley Beggar Press, and I'm here in the Galley Beggar Press headquarters, which is also our house, in Norwich, where, round about 700 years ago, Julian of Norwich said that she was promised, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And, at the moment, it feels... Well, let's just hope she's right. But I'm not here to be miserable. What I am here for is something I've been wondering, to be honest. I've been wanting to record a podcast for a few days now. One of our galley buddies actually got in touch and asked us to start putting something together. I thought maybe we could ask writers to send us bits of work or their favourite stories or anything else that's on their brilliant minds. It felt like a great plan, but I wanted to record something to set down a template and kick things off. And since then I've been unsure about what to say and how to say it. And this isn't the first time I've tried to record this introduction. I started off a couple of nights ago with a miserable recording and boring, if I'm honest, about how quiet it is here in Norwich. But that was no good. And actually, since then I've realized that I was kind of wrong because I've been out with the dog a few times night and seen crowded pubs and I've got a horrible feeling we'll be paying the price of that kind of stupidity before too long. Uh, More happily, in the early morning when I've been going for the dog walk, I've also been seeing quite a few more people than usual out on the streets. People, for instance, who've decided to take up jogging and are doing that thing you do when you do start off, when you run a few hundred paces, take a breather make yourself go again admirable in a way although every time I see those people I wonder how long it can last He um, said I wouldn't be miserable and here I am <laughs> depressing the hell out of myself but it does feel a bit like we're under the dark shadow of the volcanic cloud if we are maybe we can take some kind of inspiration from that I've just been reading about the papyri in uh, Herculaneum, you know, the, the pieces of ancient manuscript that have been preserved for almost 2000 years now in a kind of carbonated form, and all the exciting science about getting readings from the, the lead in those carbonated chunks of ancient learning, and how we're about to find out their secrets. And it's an amazingly exciting thing to know. we'll soon be hearing brand new pop voices from an ancient civilization that the precious message from their text will soon be passed on to us, that their light isn't guttered after all, in spite of everything that happened there. And maybe in a way that's how I want to think of this podcast and our community of listeners and Gallybeggar readers. We're tending the flame. Here at headquarters, we're still working hard on producing our next book, Alex Phoebe's More We're still thinking about the great things we can release in the future. We also know that lots of our writers are working on books right now. They're all carrying the light. So we're keeping it going for our own sake, and the sake of the future, because this too will pass. Let's be like Pliny. Let's record, observe, share and try to make the writing beautiful when we do it. Uh, Pliny the younger, I should stress. We've all got to stay safe on the further shore. Keep away from the fallout. Don't be Pliny the elder rushing into danger. Stay at home. Anyway, that's probably more than enough on lost civilizations at the moment. I've broken my promise. I've been miserable and I realise now that probably, hopefully, I'm being way overdramatic. Perhaps I should just focus on the more simple point of this podcast, that it's here to pass the time. Literature is also fun. I want to enjoy myself for a few minutes, and I hope to share that. Maybe that's enough. And in that spirit, to get the ball rolling, I thought I'd share a nice story from Anton Chekhov. Nice! Did I just call... Chekhov story nice okay I thought I'd share a story from Anton Chekhov who needs adjectives um, it's uh, <laughs> it's a nice story it's a so it's, it's maybe this maybe you know it's not his best story possibly it's not his most dramatic it's not his most moving but it is one that appeals to me especially as a journalist and a publisher for reasons that will be pretty obvious pretty quickly. It's called Hush, and here it is. Even Chris Nukin, a mediocre newspaper reporter, always comes home, late at night, sombre, solemn, and somehow tremendously concentrated. He looks as if he were expecting to be searched, or were contemplating suicide. As he paces up and down his room, he stops, ruffles his hair. And says in the tone of Laertes about to avenge his sister, I am distracted, I am weary to the bottom of my soul, sorrow lies heavy on my heart, and yet I am expected to sit down and write, and this is called living? Why, no writer ever described the tormenting discords which harrow an author's soul when, being sad, He must provoke the crowd to mirth, and, being merry, he must shed tears as he is bidden. Yes, I should have to be gay and unconcerned and witty, even though I were bowed down with grief, even though I were, let us say, ill, though my child were dying, though my wife were in great pain. As he says this, he shakes his fist and rolls his eyes. Then he goes into the bedroom and wakes his wife. Nadia, he says, I'm going to begin writing. Please see that no one disturbs me. I can't write if the kids are bawling or the cook is snoring. And see too that I get some tea and a beefsteak, possibly. You know I can't write unless I get my tea. It is tea alone that gives me strength for my work. Returning to his own room, he takes off his coat, his waistcoat and his boots. He undresses with deliberation and then... Composing his features in an expression of injured innocence, he takes his seat at his desk. On that desk is no casual object of everyday life. Everything, every tiniest trifle, seems to be charged with meaning and to be carrying out some stern programme. Here are little busts and pictures of famous authors. Here are a pile of manuscripts. A volume of Belinsky's works, with one page turned down. An occipital bone serving as an inkstand, a page from some newspaper, carelessly folded, but exhibiting a column marked with blue pencil in a large hand, cowardly here too lie a dozen newly sharpened pencils and pen holders with fresh pens, so that no external cause or accident shall interfere for a moment with the free flight of creative fancy. Chris. Nukin, throws himself back in his easy chair and plunges into the consideration of a subject. He hears his wife shuffling about in slippers as she splits kindling for the samovar. She is still half asleep, as he can tell, because every now and then the cover, or a leg of the samovar, drops out of her hands. The hissing of the samovar and of the frying meat soon reaches his ears. His wife still goes on splitting wood and banging about near the stove, slamming now the oven door. Now the damper, and now the door of the firebox. Suddenly, Krasnukin shudders, opens his eyes wide with terror, and begins to sniff the air. "'Good Lord! Charcoal fumes!' he gasps, his face contorted with agony. "'Charcoal fumes! That insufferable woman has made up her mind to suffocate me. "'Tell me, for heaven's sake, how can I possibly write under conditions like these?' He flings into the kitchen and breaks into tragic lamentations. When, shortly, his wife, walking on tiptoe, brings him a cup of tea, he's already sitting in his armchair, as he was before, motionless, immersed in his subject. He does not move, drums lightly on his forehead with his fingers, and pretends not to notice his wife's presence. His face again takes on an expression of injured innocence. Like a girl to whom someone has given a pretty fan. Before writing the title, he flirts with it for a long time, posing and coquetting for his own benefit. Now he presses his hands to his temples. Now he shrinks together and draws up his feet under his chair as if he were in pain. Now he languidly half-closes his eyes like a cat on a sofa. At last, hesitatingly, he reaches toward the inkstand, and with the air of signing a death warrant, he writes down the title. Mamma, I want some water!' he hears his son's cry. "'Hush!' says the mother. "'Papa is writing! Hush!' Papa is writing quickly, never stopping, never cancelling a word, hardly finding time to turn the pages. The busts and portraits of the famous authors watch his swiftly flying pen and seem to think, "'Ah, brother! Go for it!' "'Hush!' scratches the pen. ''Hush!'' rattle the authors, shaken on the table by a push from the writer's knee. Krasnukin suddenly draws himself up, lays down his pen and listens. He hears an even, monotonous whispering. It is Foma Nikolaitch, the boarder, saying his prayers in the next room. ''Look here!'' calls out Krasnukin. ''Can't you pray more quietly? You keep me from writing!'' I beg your pardon, answers Foma Nicolaitch timidly. Hush! Having written five pages, Krasnukin stretches himself and looks at the clock. Sheesh, three o'clock already, he groans. Everyone is asleep. Only I. I alone must work. Broken down, exhausted, his head hanging to one side, he goes into the bedroom and wakes his wife. Nadia! Give me some more tea, he says in a weary voice. I, I'm f- feeling weak. He writes until four. and would like to go on until six, but he has exhausted his subject. His coquetting and showing off before inanimate objects, where he is far from prying indiscreet eyes, his despotism and tyranny in the little ant's nest over which fate has given him authority, these are for him the spice of life. How little this despot at home resembles the puny, humble, speechless, incapable beings we are in the habit of seeing in the offices of newspapers. I am so tired that I don't think I shall be able to sleep, he says as he goes to bed. Our work, this infernal, thankless drudgery of a galley slave, does not tire the body so much as the mind. I must take some drops of bromide. Oh, heaven knows it weren't for my family, I'd throw over the whole thing. Oh, it's awful to have to write to order like this. He falls into a profound and wholesome slumber and sleeps until one or two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, how much longer he would have slept. What dreams he would have dreamed had he been a famous author or an editor or even a publisher. He was writing all night, whispers his wife with a frightened face. Hush! No one dares speak or walk or make a sound. His sleep is sacred, and whoever is guilty of disturbing it will have to pay dearly. Hush! is wafted through all the rooms. Hush! I'll be back with some more podcasts soon. I am kind of thinking about reading Bleak House, because it's wonderful. Although I'm worried about doing all the voices in Dickens and um, also slightly concerned about how deep into the book we'll get until this thing is done. I guess we'll have to see about that. But I'll be back soon. Hold tight in the meantime. Look after each other.